The information presented in this podcast is intended to be for entertainment and educational purposes only. It should never be used in place of advice given by a mental health or medical professional or as a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, please seek professional help. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fangirl Business. I'm Catherine. And I'm Krisha. And in today's episode, we are going to continue our deep dive exploration of all things Dean Winchester. And I think that we're going to move the discussion now from his trauma, which is what we focused on in our last episode, and now moving into what does Dean want? Where is he going? How is he growing how is he going to go about getting those things that he wants? Where do we start? Because I feel like that's been such a central theme of season 15. But honestly, the whole show, like I think that the whole mm. show has been watching Dean work through his traumas and become healthier in different ways. We're seeing it really, really pay off now, but yeah. it's been there for so long. They had this really amazing scene from season 14, actually, from episode mm. 10, which is nihilism. And Sam and Cass have to go into Dean's mind to try to rescue him from Michael. Mm -hmm. And they use the men of letters contraption to get in there. Castiel is looking for Dean because they're trying to find Dean inside of himself. And he's sifting through all of these memories of trauma. There's so much. So much trauma in Dean's mind. So many scars. Well, yeah. Dean's been through a lot, but he's strong. Sam. We've both been through a lot, and Dean is more than strong. What I meant was, if I knew... If I knew what I was looking for, I could just... It's simply go to it, but because... Michael has Dean trapped away, drowning. I have to wade through all of Dean's most terrible memories. Yes, wait a second. Would Michael bury Dean in trauma? What do you mean? I mean, Michael said it himself. The reason he left Dean in the first place is because Dean was fighting back so hard. So if Michael wanted to keep Dean placated. Dean thrives on trauma. He's had to his whole life, right? It keeps him alert, keeps him ready. But if I wanted to distract Dean, I, I'd give him something he's never had before. Contentment. Exactly. Which is so friggin' sad. Yeah, it is. But I think that hits on a lot of important things regarding how Dean has coped with his trauma, how trauma has informed his way of being, and then also what it's deprived him of. So there's a lot of layers just in that little scene mm -hmm. that we can use as an entry point into our discussion about Dean now. Yeah. I think that scene highlights the idea that Dean uses his trauma as fuel. We talked yes. a little bit in our last episode where we looked at his trauma about how he has harnessed it and how he has channeled it. And I loved here that Sam and Cass were so able to easily recognize that. It brings up the questions for me of what is it that Dean genuinely wants? The things that jump to mind for me is that he wants to be loved. He wants to be good with a capital G. He wants to save people. And I think that he wants to be seen. Hmm. Maybe we can actually use that bar scene from season 14 as a jumping off point because I think that last season that's what Dean would have thought that he wanted, but I think he's outgrown that now actually. Mm -hmm. I think it was something that was his 
So it was his bar. Mm. He owned it. He had control over it. And it was reliable. The loop bit of it was, to us, a little distressing. But to him, it almost seemed comforting. I'm happy in my loop because I know it's coming. Yeah. The hunt isn't scary because I know it's going to be okay. Because it's always okay because I've done this. So that consistency, I think, also was comforting for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Pamela was there and there was flirting, but there was no true connection. He still wasn't vulnerable. You know what I mean? So it felt very superficial on a lot of levels. I think she literally says at one point, you're not actually interested in me. Yeah. This (laughs) is just flirting for the sake of flirting kind of deal. Yeah. And he's like, you're not wrong, you know? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. He was shot with me. heading out for a hot date. How come you always have a boyfriend? How come you only want what you can't have? Oh. Besides, you don't want me. You just like to flirt. I'm psychic, so I kind of know. All right. Monsters that are easily killed. I like what you said about familiarity and repetition and there not Mm -hmm. being surprises. Mm -hmm. And yeah, flirting without consequences. Flirting where both parties know that the other doesn't really mean it. Mm-hmm. And having something of his own. I really like that you mm-hmm. brought that up. And I think some of those things are still important now to him. I think having something of his own would still be something that is important to him because he's had so little that's been his own over the course of his life. Right. But I, I look at Dean now and I think that his dreams would be bigger than yes. that bar. Mm-hmm. And that's just over the course of... A season. I think that speaks to just how much growth that has happened. What do we think that Dean wants now? I think he wants genuine connection. I think yes. in the bar with Pamela, they flirted, but they didn't even touch, did they? She wiped some blood off of his cheek. Worst part of working here is having to clean up the blood after some pissed off monster busts in to kill you. Well, what can I say? I'm famous. And we all wished that we were that rag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but other than that, there wasn't anything really. No. It's interesting, though, because that shows that she was seeing him and that she wanted to then take care of him. Because I still think that those are very foundational things. I think he wants people to look at him to truly see him and see what he needs, see what he wants. Mm. And I think he wants to be able to receive that, which is hard for him to even allow in a lot of ways. What you just said about being taken care of, mm-hmm. I think there's something about that moment that actually is quite important. I'm all dismissive of the moment, and now I'm like, oh, but there was stuff. <laughs> I mean, he could have wiped the blood off of his face himself. How many times mm-hmm. has he done that? Mm-hmm. But he allowed her to do it for him so it was a gesture of caretaking and mm-hmm. he's always 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 had to do for himself i think he wants to be taken care of in little ways mm-hmm. because he's been the one who's taken care of people in so many big ways mm-hmm. and small ways i mean even now he cooks yeah you see him buying beer all the time and yet you see everybody else drinking beer all the time I feel like he does a lot of those little things that are taking care of the people around him. And it's not that Sam doesn't want to take care of him because I think Sam does. And I think Sam probably does a lot more than we see on screen. I think the same is true for Cass. The newsletter that went around where he's like basically informing everyone what's going on with Dean. Exactly. We all need to know what's going on with Dean. So yes, we know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Sam does a lot of caretaking behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. I think that bar scene speaks to the journey of healing that we have seen with Dean over the years. If we're going to take it back even further, I think for me, the first big milestone that we had for him in working toward true foundational healing is the scene that you've talked about a couple of times where Dean was going up against... Dream Dean. So that was season three, where they had taken the African dream route. And so he was terrified of dying because he was terrified of going to hell because he had sold his soul to save Sam. So he comes face to face with this dream version of himself. And that dream version of himself just throws all of his trauma at him, all of his deep dark, all of the stuff that he's carrying with him. 
and Dean gets to a point where he finally breaks and he says, My father was an obsessed bastard! All that crap he dumped on me about protecting Sam, that was his crap! He's the one who couldn't protect his family! He's the one who let mom die! Who wasn't there for Sam, I always was! He wasn't fair! I didn't deserve what he put on me! And I don't deserve to go to hell! That scene was hugely pivotal in that he finally verbalized, even if it's only in his own head, because he's been hiding from everyone, including himself. He was able to finally say, this shouldn't have been mine. This isn't mine to own. It shouldn't be something I'm dealing with. It's not fair. And saying something negative about his dad, calling his dad an obsessed bastard, that was huge for him because he was defending John left, right, and center. And so it was this incredible shift for him. It was this moment where he was finally able to say, okay, what happened to me is not okay. And it wasn't fair. When we talk about trauma and trying to begin the healing from trauma, sometimes that's a huge place to start is that recognition that what happened was not okay. He had other scenes throughout the years when he finally told Sam about what happened in hell, when he finally let himself talk about it, when he finally let himself express the extent of how bad it was. That, I think, was incredibly important for his healing. They, uh, they sliced and carved and tore me in ways that you... until there was nothing left. And then suddenly, I would be whole again, like magic. Just so they could start in all over. And Alistair, at the end of every day, everyone, he would come over and he would make me an offer to take me off the rack if I put souls on. If I started the torture. And every day I told him to stick it where the sun shines. For 30 years I told him. But then I couldn't do it anymore, Sammy. I couldn't. And I got off that rack. God help me, I got right off it. And I started ripping them apart. I lost count of how many souls. things that I did to them. Dean. <clears throat> Dean, look, you held out for 30 years. It's longer than anyone would have. me I wish I couldn't feel anything Sammy I wish I couldn't feel a damn thing I think another one was in season eight with Cass mm -hmm. with purgatory that was Cass that sort of pushed that issue but he physically made Dean recognize that he was misremembering, that he had repressed what actually happened because it hurt too much. Yeah, you mean after they've both finally gotten out of purgatory and mm -hmm. Dean keeps exploding it, Cass, mm -hmm. and Cass is like, what is going on? 
Right. And finally, Dean's like, it's not my fault that you gave up. And Cass is like, what are you thinking happened? He literally, Dean states exactly what happened, but he does it in this way where he's blaming himself. Dean, do you really not remember? I lived it, guys. Okay, I know what happened. No. No, you think you know. You remembered it the way you needed to. Dean, just look at it. Really look at it. was weak. I was stronger than you. I pulled away. Nothing you could have done would have saved me because I didn't want to be saved. So yeah, that mm. moment is very, very powerful where he realizes that he's misremembered an entire moment, reframed it in his mind because he couldn't handle leaving his best friend behind. And he had to make it an issue of self-blame in order to cope with it, which, I mean, how do we even begin to break that down? <laughs> he made it worse than it was on him so that he could cope with the fact that Cass didn't want to come. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it is. Yeah, I was thinking about it when we were talking about anger and caretaking in our last episode. And it occurred to me that so much of what has happened in Dean's life has been incredibly unfair, but he has internalized it. And in a strange sort of way, that's another form of caretaking because he's had these people abandon him, but instead of being mad at them for the actions that they have taken, he takes that anger and channels it in to make him mad at himself because Cass didn't want to come. It was another abandonment. And that abandonment, it was too much. And so he couldn't be mad at Cass. He made it to where Cass didn't make it because he was too weak. The fact that he kept saying, I didn't leave you, I didn't leave you, is because in his mind, he believed that he left him. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Cass finally said, no, I wasn't weak. I did it on purpose. That was too much for Dean. It was just too much for him. It's incredible to me that it was easier for him to believe that he had failed his friend that deeply than mm. it was for him to accept that Cass abandoned him again. Yeah, or it was certainly more comfortable. <sighs> yeah, ouch. Ugh. Yeah. Coming back to that central question, what do we think that Dean wants now? He wants connection. We've talked a little bit about that. I think that's interesting because he's been so disconnected for such mm -hmm. a big chunk of this season. He was disconnected from Jack after he died. There was just so much repression going on there. He was disconnected emotionally from Cass. The only person that he was having any kind of emotional connection to for a big part of the season was Sam. Mm -hmm. The turning point really was that prayer scene, I feel, when he realized that he might have lost Cass forever and he might have lost that opportunity to connect in a genuine way. Now he's on this journey of coping in new ways. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the ways that he's coping now. When we talk about Dean's healing journey, we talked about the different conversations from season three, season four, season eight. I think there was another important scene in season 14 where he and Cass were at the coffee shop and Michael mm -hmm. was in his head and Cass asked how he was doing. Hey Dean, I'm fine. What you're doing? And even just sitting here and having a cup of coffee is an Arculean feat. I can't imagine the willpower it's taking to keep Michael imprisoned. Are you really fine? I don't know, Cass. But that's what I'm supposed to say, right? I'm fine. Keep on moving. That's what we all say. No, Dean. Okay. There's this pounding. In my head. It never stops. Michael's in there. And he is fighting hard to get out. And I can't let my guard down. Not for a second. 
I'm barely even sleeping. <laughs> well, that's not sustainable. No, no, it's probably not. But no point in complaining about it. It's on me. No, it's on us. We are here to help you. And it was the first time that we had really seen Dean in a situation like that that wasn't high stake. There's no high pressure to talk. They're just sitting having coffee. And he was just like, yeah, I'm not really okay. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say that, but, you know, I'm really not. I thought that was just so huge for him because mm. he was able to actually admit in his very Dean way that he wasn't okay. Yeah. And he admitted it to Cass, which I thought was meaningful because... I guess it would take a month to like dig into <laughs> a lot of this stuff. But Sam is family. Sam has always been there. Sam has seen it all with him. Cass is a different type of relationship. It's a friendship. It's voluntary on both sides. It's family, mm -hmm. but it's found family. There's a different dynamic. And so Dean has been much more vulnerable in different ways with Sam just by pure necessity. Sam has seen Dean at low points and vice versa because they're family. But Cass is a different dynamic, I guess. And so yeah. I thought it was meaningful for him to open up to Cass. It's different than opening up to Sam. So for him to say, yeah, I'm not really okay, I thought was a big deal. And Dean regressed because of what happened with Jack and Mary. Right. He was making all this progress and he was being more forthcoming and he was opening up a little bit. And then he got smacked by trauma again, which is what we were talking about before is what keeps happening to him. Like it's hard for him to get to a point to where he wants to try to heal because number one, there's never enough stability and safe time for him to do that. And number two, if you've really learned that there's just something else that's going to come up every time there's going to be another apocalypse, those words shouldn't go together. Another apocalypse, you know, but that's the reality <laughs> of his life. Mm -hmm. It becomes hard to work up the energy, I think, to heal because it does take a tremendous mm -hmm. amount of energy to heal from trauma. Tremendous mm -hmm. amount of work. So... Once we get to now, I think he's taken steps towards this for years. And now he's making some of those final strides of really being honest, not only with those around him, but with himself. And mm. it's hard to be honest with yourself about your own perceived vulnerabilities or quote unquote mm -hmm. weaknesses. But we've seen him over the course of season 15, making himself vulnerable in a variety of ways until he worked up to that prayer scene. He got on stage and he sang and the dancing, it was on his own head. So, I mean, I still think that was him being honest with himself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all under the same umbrella of healing, being honest mm -hmm. with himself and then allowing himself to be honest with others, allowing other people that he loves to see him, the real him not just the strong him, the front that he puts out there. When we talk about how this story has layers, mm -hmm. the characters have layers too. <laughs> there are lots of different layers to Dean, and it's very rare that people get to see those innermost layers because he's got so many barriers between him and the world that he's had to erect to protect himself. Things like the singing... Things like the dancing, mm -hmm. I think, are very much metaphors for ways of being that he just feels vulnerable about in general and isn't sure about and hasn't had the chance to express really. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that comes down to, in large part, the fact that he has been a caretaker for so long mm -hmm. that he just hasn't been able to focus on himself. So I think part mm -hmm. of what is exciting for me about this season is that he's actually managing to do this work on himself in the middle of this huge battle with the big bad. And always, right. always in the past, those big battles have been things that have either traumatized or distracted him from working on himself and working on healing from trauma because there were these big things that he had to absolutely do there was no question about him walking away he was absolutely going to engage and he would have felt like a horrible person if he didn't mm -hmm. in terms of growing i think it's remarkable that he's doing this growing work in the midst of a huge conflict with the biggest of all of the big bads that they've ever had to face 
I'm impressed. Yeah. Part of what makes him the big, big bad is because it makes them fundamentally question who they are at their core. That's the thing, man. I don't know what's God and what isn't. And it's driving me crazy. So I feel mm. like the self-exploration is in many ways a different way of fighting the big bad of the season, which I think is fascinating. Holy crap, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I think the writers are geniuses. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> like, that was just so well stated. He talks about, you know, who we are is not our own. Everything that we've lost, everything that we are is because of Chuck. And now he's fighting to take back who he is from Chuck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It really is. My, my brain I just exploded. <laughs> I was thinking about it in terms of there's fighting Chuck, but then there's Dean healing his self-actualization, becoming the best version of himself. And in my mind, those were kind of two separate things. They're not. They're like the same thing. Mm -hmm. The self-actualization that I've been harping on with all three, you know, with Dean, Sam and Cass is mm -hmm. literally the way that they're going to defeat Chuck. Ah. <laughs> uh. God, this show's so good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're this far into the season and we're having like these big revelatory moments still. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> About everything that's happened thus far. It's Ooh. brilliant, though, because, like, they know that we wanted this domesticity. They know that we want Dean to be healthier. We mm -hmm. want them to be happy. They have that undercurrent of Cass's deal with the empty so that we don't get too comfortable and that we're still conflicted because thanks for that. But <laughs> God forbid we be comfortable and completely hopeful. <laughs> That is masterful, the way that they have fused that with the overarching battle. Goodness. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. Fighting God is determining their own identity. And I mean, that's tied right back into free will. Mm -hmm. What's mine versus what's decided by others. In this mm -hmm. case, Chuck. In our last episode about Dean, we were talking about PTSD. I kind of went through the diagnostic criteria, which Dean rings a whole bunch of those bells. Mm -hmm. But there's this concept of post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth, it's a theory, it's an idea that I think is extremely relevant to this genre in general, not just supernatural. It's the idea that we can heal from a trauma stronger than we were beforehand say that again because this is big yeah say that again yeah i'm like preach it sister <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's this idea that we can take a trauma that we've experienced and we can in the healing process find meaning and strength so that we actually heal from the trauma stronger than we were before which is in essence every superhero origin story that you've ever heard Right. They, right. they go through a trauma and then they find meaning in that trauma and it makes them that much stronger. And so I think that Dean channels that quite a bit in that he uses his trauma as fuel, like they talked about in that scene inside his mind. But there were significant repercussions. There were pieces that he was not healing from and that he was not stronger mm -hmm. for that were really holding him back from being happy. And so I feel like right now in Dean's story, they're addressing that. They're mm. trying to help him finally heal from all the things that have happened to him and be stronger in all areas. Because he yeah. used trauma to make him a better hunter and he used trauma to make him a better caretaker, but it didn't help him in relationships. It was quite the opposite. He wasn't able to be himself. He wasn't able to connect. And he also shut down any and all of his own wants and needs. And so I feel like they're helping him find those final pieces to help him finally achieve full post-traumatic growth. Mm. So what are the moments that you think he's healed from successfully stronger? And what are some of the things that you think that he's still working on healing from? Well... I think that nothing is absolute. 
So mm. I think that there has been a lot of trauma that he has experienced that he has found meaning from. I think that one way in which he channeled what he has experienced in the past and found meaning in it was actually with Jack. I feel like mm. when he was parenting Jack... When we saw the connection that they had, when we saw him like truly doing dad stuff. Jack. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy. Just having a bad dream. Sorry. It's okay, you don't have to apologize. I have them do all the time. You do? Sure. What do you um what do you see? Well, it depends. Mostly, mostly people I couldn't save. Me too. Over there in the other world, I said I'd protect those people, but I wasn't strong enough. Jack. not about being strong. Look, I don't know what you saw over there. I don't know what you went through. I know it was bad. But I also know that you came out the other side. Because you are strong. But even when we're strong, man, things are gonna happen. We're gonna make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, right? But we can get better. Every day we can get better. So whatever you're dealing with, you know, whatever, whatever comes at us, we'll figure out a way to deal with it together. Your family, kid. And we look after our own. He was helping himself, I think, to heal through being the parent to Jack that he had always wanted. Yeah. So Jack was trying to drive baby and he kept making mistakes. And Dean was like, no, it's okay. It's going to be fine. You're doing great. Okay. All right. Okay. Keep going. Good. Okay. Look. You know I'm what? not very good at this. No, you're doing just fine, okay? Try using one foot, not two. And uh, just relax. Take it smooth. Don't overthink it. Here we go. Okay. See? Huh? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, okay. Oh, well, let's keep it in between the lines. Okay. There we go. Okay. Let's... All right. John saying that? Literally, I just rewatched the episode Dead Man's Blood. Mm, that's the right. only thing that he says in that is. All right, let's get out of here. We're losing daylight. Hey, and Dean, why don't you touch up your car before you get rust? I wouldn't have given you the damn thing if I thought you were going to ruin it. And it's this really dismissive put down. Dean loved that car, always has. But it was dusty, I think, in that episode. Mm -hmm. And that was the way that John spoke to him about the car. So yeah. you contrast that with the way that he was talking to Jack when Jack was slamming on the brakes and throwing them forward and making the gears grind and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was so calm and he was so chill and he was so encouraging and affirmative. And, you know, I wonder if that has also been healing for him from having to raise Sam because he was only four years older than Sam. So how do you parent someone that you're only four years older than? It's almost an impossible task. 
And you're not going to be able to do things like go and take him out fishing for the fun of it because you don't have a fishing pole and you don't have the money for anything besides maybe some food. In a lot of ways, he was set up for failure by his dad when taking care of Sam and he did his best and he did a really good job. But I think that he worries that he failed Sam when there wasn't enough food or that moment when he went and got the Christmas presents for Sam, but he stole them from somebody's house and they were for a girl. All of those moments, I feel like with Jack, he has the means now to do things the way that he would have wanted to do them with Sam. Mm -hmm. But he just couldn't, both because of his age and because of financial limitations and because of the restrictions that John put on them. So I'm wondering if it's like a two-part healing, both the way that he was parented, but also the way that he was so limited in his ability to parent well when he was parenting his brother. I think it's a very complex concept because I was thinking about this term that I've heard called reparenting. And that's a psychological technique where if you didn't get the parenting that you needed as a kid, you learn to parent yourself. So it's this way of healing where you think about the things that you didn't get as a kid and try to give them to yourself. So if you weren't allowed to enjoy yourself, you can go find that joy. If you didn't have discipline, if you didn't have anyone giving you any kind of structure that you find ways to give it to yourself. And it can be hard and you throw tantrums in your own head, but you try to to give yourself that framework, teach yourself emotional regulation, teach yourself how to take care of yourself if you didn't get those things from a parent. And I see a lot of Dean in that, but I also Mm. think that we can do that same kind of healing or a different form of that same healing in passing on to our kids or the next generation in whatever form those things that we didn't get. So if you didn't have any structure, giving that structure to another kid can be healing and helpful. And I think that Mm -hmm. that probably has played a role, not just with Jack, but with all of those kids that Dean has mentored over the years. He's almost always shown compassion or he's been the bad guy, the heavy, but that's because he's showing interest and care and concern for their safety. Parents often do things that kids don't like, but they're doing it because they care. Yeah, you have a curfew and yeah, you have to go to bed and yeah, you have to eat your vegetables because I care about you and I care about your health and wellness and safety. And so Mm -hmm. Dean has done the hunter equivalent of that. And I think there's probably healing in that for him. And I think there's probably some reflection. And maybe that's what is different about Jack is that He did those things enough and took that time to really reflect on what he was doing and why. I think about them fishing and Jack brought up John and Dean was like, uh. Well, bait and beer, you are a cheap date. You once told me you and your father did the exact same thing. It was your happiest memory of him. I didn't say that. It was how you said it. I could tell. I guess my point is that if I don't make it, the stuff I'd miss, it wouldn't be things like Tahiti or the Taj Mahal. I'd miss more time with you. I think that's one way that Dean has found meaning in his trauma is taking what he didn't get from childhood and giving that to other young hunters. But I think he's still struggling with allowing himself to have it, mm-hmm. allowing himself to have joy, allowing himself to take care of himself at a deeper level. He does a great job of taking care of himself superficially. He buys porn and beer and pie and burgers, but I would call that self-soothing versus self-care. Self-soothing is something that makes us feel good right there in the moment. And self-care are those harder things that may not be nearly as fun, but are deeper ways that we take care of ourselves, like true care. Mm, There's an important difference between self-soothing and self-care. So I'm glad that you Mm -hmm. defined that a little bit for us. Because I think a lot of us, including myself, can confuse those two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both are important. I don't want to misconstrue. There is nothing wrong with self-soothing. Everything is just Mm -hmm. in moderation. Sometimes you have to take care of yourself and sometimes you have to soothe yourself. And both are important. But I think that Dean skews to one and avoids 
actively the other. <laughs> so I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that Dean is starting to do the things that he needs to do, even if they aren't the things that he wants to do. Ah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. I think he has needed to address his anger because I think that his anger is well earned mm-hmm. for sure. But it's secondary to all of these other feelings, some of which he's talked about and dealt with a little bit over the years, some of which he hasn't. And I think that it's probably time for him to sit with those Mm -hmm. and admit those and deal with them in whatever way is healthy for him. But I think if Dean wants to be loved and Dean wants to be seen Mm -hmm. and he wants that connection... He's never going to feel like it's real until he's truly being himself and showing himself to the people in his life. Mm. Being himself within his own head and feeling confident in that, or at least having honesty in that, and then being able to allow that connection or feel comfortable and confident in the connection with other people that they truly love him and they truly want to be with him because they know him. Mm. Like, for real Mm. not just the pieces of him that he lets them see and that's tough we've mentioned that he has all of those protective layers in place that he's had to put up because i mean Mm -hmm. he wasn't allowed to be himself for such a long time his dad Mm -hmm. needed him to be a certain way and to do certain things and sam needed him to be a certain way and do certain things and hunting needed him to be a certain way and do certain things So the parts of himself that he lets the world see have been constructed very foundationally on what other people have needed him to be, not who he is. Mm -hmm. So that's going to take some major unlearning on his part to be able to let himself out. And I think it's really interesting that in both of the cases where we've seen him do something that might be construed as out of character, which is the singing and the dancing, one of those things was with people that didn't really know him now. Right. So there was a certain degree of anonymity. Mm -hmm. And then with the dancing, which I think was even more vulnerable because singing, you can be a rock star. This was not rock star dancing. This was tap dancing. This is a very different kind of dancing Mm -hmm. that he was enjoying in this dream that stereotypical ways of being masculine doesn't jive with. So it makes it Mm -hmm. even more vulnerable than it would otherwise be. And that was within the safety of his own mind. That was within the safety of himself. But you've got to build up that sense of being safe and being confident within yourself, I think, a lot of the time before you can show it to other people. Absolutely. I think that we really have seen him going on his own journey this season. There's the singing, there's the dancing. He was also by himself when he was buying cooking magazines instead of porn. Mm -hmm. There's just been a lot of self-reflection that he's been doing. And now he's starting to ease his way out of that and starting to share some of his feelings with Cass. He was sharing with Sam, oh, I always thought I could be a good dancer. He's gotten to a point within himself that he's admitting some things to himself. He's sitting with those things. He's being more self-reflective and honest with himself. And now he's at the point where he's able to maybe start sharing that with the people in his inner circle. But I don't think it's coincidental that the big confession scene, prayer scene, he was physically by himself when it happened. Yep. I don't think it was either. Mm. So the next big step is going to be being able to have those really vulnerable kind of conversations face-to-face with people, and that's going to be a huge step for him to take. And I'm excited for when it happens, and I really hope it happens in episode 12. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I think he has a big conversation with Cass coming. They set that one up, and I think he has a big conversation with Jack coming. Mm -hmm. And with Jack essentially being a kid, Mm -hmm. a kid with way too much responsibility heaped on his shoulders. I feel like Jack was very much like a Sam figure. At the beginning, they really focused on he was a freak and he had this darkness and that was very Sam-ish. And so Sam was able to relate. And then there was the middle there where it was the angel living in a human world and all of that. And so Cass was really able to relate. Mm -hmm. And now 
I feel like it's this kid who's seen way too much trauma, who's been through way too much, who has the weight of the literal world on his shoulders, Mm -hmm. which is going to be how Dean relates to him. I'm interested to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see what kind of healing that brings for Dean, because I think that parenting Jack has brought a lot of healing for all of them to this point, but I think it's going to maybe go even further for Dean. And then obviously he and cast like I said have a conversation coming and I think that that's also going to be very significant I think so too I hope so too I'm looking forward to whenever that happens Mm because it's overdue they had this big moment in the trap and then the next episode was not an episode where Misha was a part of it so mm-hmm. it was necessary that nothing happened. But then the next one, they were very much separated for most of the episode. And then when they were reunited, the focus was on Jack. So mm-hmm. we haven't had that moment of really talking things through since the trap, at least not that we've seen. And I don't think it's really happened because I think they'll want us Mm-mm. to see it when it happens. <laughs> I'm hoping that that's going to be an episode 12 thing fingers and toes Mm -hmm. crossed sooner rather than later would be appreciated that would be great yes (laughs) so that we can just keep with this amazing healing journey as quickly as possible because he's been struggling for so long i would love to see him for more than five minutes at the end of the series happy and content and whole. right yeah (laughs) i'm like can they defeat chuck now so that we can have just five episodes of them with their toes in the sand because i would be here for that i really would yeah Really, for real though. (laughs) They've defeated the big bads sometimes before the end of the season. That's happened more than once. Michael went out early. There's a lot of things that we expect to last a long time that then don't like demon dean and Mm -hmm. michael possessing dean it's like things that we were gearing up to be the whole season and then it was like oh it's done okay right even the ghost apocalypse we thought that was gonna be way bigger than it was Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that we'll have some space to breathe at the end of this series and see for more than five minutes, although a lot can happen in five minutes on a show like Supernatural. Ten minutes in the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do hope we get more than that five or ten minutes of Dean actually being happy. Very much. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in regards to Dean and what he wants and how he's coping and growing? Again, I think this is something that we could talk about for the next six hours. I feel like I've almost wanted to shy away from doing any episodes doing a deep dive on Dean because it feels like anything we do is a disservice because... There's, There's so, so much, much to him, yeah. you know, and I know it's going to be the, well, why didn't you talk about whatever? And it's like, God, I want to, like, I really, really do mm-hmm. because there's so much depth to him and there's so much going on with him. I think that he has been one who copes through moving forward and through action. Mm. And I'm hoping that maybe we'll get to see him learn to cope in different ways through having fun and through talking mm-hmm. and through being vulnerable But I do think it's an interesting question of if he has always used his trauma as fuel, how is he going to do things differently when he heals? Mm. Because I think he will, but I'm really interested to see how that plays out. That what would be spurring him forward would be something positive and healthy versus just trauma and rage i think that will be fascinating to see yeah i've had multiple conversations with different people about how dean finds purpose and meaning through action and through helping people Mm -hmm. and to think about him doing that from a healthy place Mm -hmm. is kind of exciting it's super exciting and i mean i think just the meta of it i think that the writers of this show are aware of the fact that this fandom has a focus on mental health stuff Mm -hmm. through the Always Keep Fighting campaign. I think it's just been a central cause or theme Mm -hmm. within the fandom. And so I think that they've been just so beautifully purposeful in the messages that are coming through this season and the hope and the care and having our heroes talk about depression and PTSD, talk about nightmares, talk about fear, Mm. having Dean Winchester on his knee crying Mm -hmm. because he's just so angry and he doesn't know why. Mm -hmm. I mean, being given 
the absolute gift of getting to watch them all heal and watch them all make different choices. It's just, it's easily some of the most beautiful fiction I've ever seen. Mm. It's stunning. They're doing really important work. They are. And I am really excited that we get to be here for this part of the journey to see how beautifully they're writing into the series a topic that's so important to the fandom, which is healing. Because they didn't have to. Of course They didn't have to. No. They could have just made it all action, adventure, whatever, but they chose to go this way. And man, it means a lot. It really does. I'm excited. I really am. Me too. I feel like good things are coming for Dean Winchester, which is interesting because I'm still seeing stuff on people's timelines where they're convinced he's going to die. I don't know. I think healing is going to happen. There could be metaphorical death, the death of the old ways of being that have been unhealthy. But I feel like a lot of this is going to be about, and we're coming back now to that poster, about rebirth. Yeah, I was going to say death in this show has always been just a door to a new thing. Mm. So is it possible that any of the three of them or all of the three of them may die? Maybe. But I don't think that that will be permanent. I think it would just be a door to a new thing. Yeah. I love the way that you just said that. I feel like there's hope and Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful place to be. We will wrap it there for this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed part two of our deep dive into all things Dean Winchester. I mean, we say deep dive, but we could just spend episodes and episodes and episodes. So we're kind of covering what we can. And I would love to. I genuinely would love to. You know, that might be something fun that we could do after the show is over is just do a Mm -hmm. series of reflections on different characters and how they've changed and grown. Absolutely. That could be a whole thing in and of itself. Anyway, in the meantime, (laughs) you can message us and stay up to date with the latest on our Twitter page at the Fangirl Biz. That's B-I-Z or B-I-Z. We'll see you again next time. And until then, carry on, wayward friends. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. that sexy coughing we like at the beginning oh yeah mm-hmm. cough for me baby <laughs> <laughs> all right well <laughs> oh. that <was> fantastic <laughs> okay here we go we're professionals we've got this